This is a podcast about rejecting tyranny and oppression by cultivating both systemic and individual change. I believe the only way to create this kind of monumental change is to inspire understanding, love, and kindness. From there, we can work to embody these essential values in our cultural systems and in our individual lives. My hope is that by effectively communicating with anyone and everyone, we can establish a shared vision for humanity and explore new ways of living to build a better world for all of us. I'm your host, Nathan Jones, and this is The Kindness Rebellion. Thomas, thank you so much for being on The Kindness Rebellion, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, uh, and just to introduce you, uh, Thomas Wright, founder and CEO of Phobus Tech. Is that right? That is correct. Awesome. And you also kind of mentioned that you have a lot of other projects that you do as well. Would you mind just uh, telling me a little bit about that? Yeah. uh, So there are a few things going. Um, My main project is is the AI STEM drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea is to replace money with artificial intelligence mm. um, in a way that's equitable and fair, to, you know, just in a way that it doesn't cause the same problems that money causes. Yeah. So uh, it, it's based a lot on psychology, mm-hmm. uh, some sociology. Um, there's actually some thermodynamics in there, some physics, mm. because it's. Uh, it turns out that money kind of runs against the laws of thermodynamics. Interesting. It it literally causes an increase in entropy. um, And this is part of the research that I've been doing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just not that it causes problems. It's that it increases systemic entropy across the whole system. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Before we get into that, I will, I will mention for our listeners that like that's, that's how we got to know each other was, um, our volunteer work through the moneyless society. Um, and we were just lucky enough to find out that we live, both live in Utah, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's, we definitely have a lot of common ground there and I'd, I'd love to dive more into what, like how money is like creating systemic entropy. What, what does that look like? Uh, so one of the biggest things is profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most most companies, you know, depending on how they they acquire their their product, whether they develop it themselves or you know or do a resale, uh, the markup is between fifty and sixty six ish percent. Mm-hmm. Which, if you look at it from an energetic point of view, you're taking something that is a finite amount of of you know, uh, like resources. Or, yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that's what, this is what STEM stands for mm. space, time, energy, matter, oh. uh, because those are the four fundamental vehicles of just everything in our yeah. reality. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you've got kind of this, uh, this kind of this weird point where you have something worth a finite amount of, of value, and then you sell it for more than it's worth, more than it's worth, mm. which allows you to go around and buy that much more and then resell that much more. And it's this uh, exponentially accelerating system. And it's, mm. it's happening everywhere at like all times. Yeah. At mm. all times. And so you're having this, you know, you have this situation where, and this is, by the way, is why, um, uh, uh, inflation happens. This mm. is like the, not the 
recognized reason, but uh, pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. The, you know, they they understand that our that our whole system is based on debt. Mm-hmm. There's a reason it's based on debt. Mm-hmm. It's because uh, we're not doing things the right way. Yeah. Right. You you have to always be adding. Uh, it's infinite growth. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So and and then on top of that, you have a bunch of little kind of anomalies that happen. So for instance, in the software industry, mm-hmm. uh, you've got a company that develops, you know, whatever software Yeah, and they've got a time limit, right? They've mm-hmm. only got so much overhead and they need to get it out and their investors are coming down on them. Like this needs mm-hmm. to be out yesterday. So, uh, they push it out, push it to the market, obviously flawed with mm-hmm. a bunch of bugs, Yep, which causes what it causes uh hacking issues mm-hmm. right security inefficiencies issues, inefficiencies uh problems with just the software itself like mm. you know little buggy issues yeah so now they have to go back and fix all of that so now you have entirely new industries cropping up mm-hmm. having to deal with the problems that were created in the first place by this system that forces people to just hurry, hurry, rush, 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 put it up, put it up, put it up, put it up. So now you've got all these industries, you've got security industries and you've yeah. got, you know, uh, uh, companies that do like security penetration or mm-hmm. penetration testing. And yeah, it's, yeah. So from that standpoint, there's, you know, another increase in entropy because mm-hmm. you're using more and more resources, more and more energy. Yeah. <clears throat> Cause all of those like solutions are also half baked because they also are subject to the requirements to, get a half-baked product and send it out there as quickly as possible. Yep. And, and, um, I've, I've kind of hypothesized mm-hmm. that it may actually be, uh, almost a fractal, like, like have a oh, fractal nature to it. Like yeah. we're just kind of like until it fizzles out. Yeah. Um, can't confirm that yet. I'm, I'm still kind of, like it's an interesting theory out. though. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. And then laws, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I mean, how much, how many of our laws are, are pushed out there because of money. Mm-hmm. And when you have a law that's enacted and, and, and it goes against the natural flow of, of how things should be working, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, you're going against the, the grain of mother nature. You're going against how mm-hmm. the universe propagates. Um, one of the biggest things is this idea that there. Uh, you'll, you'll hear economists say mm-hmm. that there's no free lunch. Have you heard this? No, I haven't. Lunch. Yeah. Okay. So no free lunch is the idea that, that, uh, there's no free lunch, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's always an exchange. Mm. Um, so, and this is kind of one of the arguments that capitalists use against, uh, any kind of socialist idea. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that whatever the service is, whatever the product is, there's always got to be an exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, which in and of itself is totally against the way the universe works. Mm. Uh, entropy always increases, Mm -hmm. right? There's no exchange. Like atoms don't get together and say, oh, you know, I'll trade you my electrons for your electrons, or Mm. here's a few protons. If you give me a couple neutrons, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not how it works. And even if that was, there would still be the energy used to make that exchange. Mm. Which is what's creating the entropy in that relationship. Correct. Mm. And so like the, the idea that there needs, that there always has to be an exchange is just, 
nonsense. It's, mm-hmm. it's something that we made up. Yeah. There doesn't need to be an exchange. Especially the idea that it has to be a profitable or extractive exchange. Like that's, yeah. I think that's the thing about capitalism and the monetary system that's so anti-nature to me because I don't think that, you know, a lot of capitalists are pe- uh, and people that like support capitalism or don't want to critique capitalism will say that mm-hmm. like, like, oh, this is just natural. This is human nature and everything. But it seems like the universe is more about sustainability and balance than it is about extraction and exploitation at all costs totally yeah (laughs) yeah yeah completely in fact when i first met marlo Mm -hmm. um it was on a a dan schmachtenberg post Uh, oh yeah yeah we were were both replying and that's what we met but there was a third guy that was kind of you know bouncing around in our conversation and he's got a youtube channel where he is positive that money is a naturally occurring phenomenon that, mm. that you can't get rid of it. And it. Like it is so crazy. Like, I don't know. I, I and, and he gets so defensive. Dude. Oh my really? gosh. You can't even talk to him. Yeah. But it's funny that they, that anyone would think that because it's not like money has been around for time immemorial. Right? <laughs> it's a, it's a fa- relatively new phenomenon. We could definitely <laughs> transcend it. So I'm curious how, um, like STEM and your uh, your focus on science um, applies to you know like economics and trying to obsolete money. Like where where did that interaction come from for you, and and why is it why is it so important? So this has been something that's been bouncing around in my head since you know the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I I was working for a company called Yesco. It was mm-hmm. my first corporate job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one of the software engineers over there and um, okay, so it you have to kind of understand the culture. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's it's owned by very religious people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the owners of Yesco, it's a family and they're all Mormon. Mm-hmm. And they've got this kind of mindset that the earth has been given to us by mm-hmm. God and we can use it, you know, and you don't need to worry about anything because when Jesus comes back, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Which is like <sighs> destructive. Yeah. I think I, I, I don't want to talk down on anybody's beliefs, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, like th- to, to, to take a personal belief and turn it into something where you are physically causing mm. a, a, you know, a situation where it affects other people. Yeah. I think that can get dangerous. Definitely. <clears throat> um, but so, uh, there's this company that was that, okay. So the ESCO building, the, the corporate office, there's, it turns out that they didn't use a whole place, right? Mm. So we, we, don't, we only use kind of like the front area. Mm-hmm. And there's this back office that they turned converted into a genetic and pharmaceutical lab. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, on my lunch breaks, I would go to one of the back offices and just meditate. It was, mm-hmm. I, I, at that point, I was trying to uh, prove whether or not an out-of-body experience like whether or not I could prove it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had been practicing, uh, the, you know, OBEs like 
getting out of my body or quote unquote mm-hmm. getting in my body. And I would set up tests, you know, I'd mm-hmm. put cards facing out in the window mm-hmm. after I shuffled it and I would try to go check it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, my, uh, the guys that I worked with, they, they had started to question their faith. Mm-hmm. And so we would do these things where, uh, I would go to meditate <laughs> And they would write stuff on the whiteboard uh-huh. and I would try to exit and come see what it is and then come back and check and, and see what and it was. See if you were, yeah. But, uh, I, I it, uh, weird anomaly. Every time I tried to check, it would just like explode into this fractal of all possibility. And, and I was never able to validate it, but wow, I was told that, I don't know, totally different story. Yeah. Anyway, we might cover that later <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> uh, so this company, I, I can't remember something gen gen dynagen or something like mm-hmm. that um so i was in this back office meditating and uh it's one of the empty offices right and apparently the owner of of yesco um was telling him that he could rent out a few more offices mm-hmm. so i hear him talking the ceo of the of the pharma lab and walking down with some friends, you know, and he's saying like, yeah, we do this and that. So obviously he's like, he brought some friends over to show him, mm-hmm. you know, his, his, his place and everything, mm-hmm. what they're doing. And, uh, he's, he's walking down and he wiggles the door handle, but I had locked it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wanted some privacy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, huh? Oh, I guess, I guess they forgot to unlock it today or whatever. But so they stop and they're just talking there and he says something to the effect and like this was the, the first real kind of like eye opening wow this is really happening mm. he says something to the effect of uh no 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 you see the trick is that you've got to get the product out and onto the shelf as fast as possible so that by the time that the lawsuits start rolling in you've already made a profit oh my god and i was just like like I'm sitting there thinking, what the fuck, dude? Oh my God. He really just said like, this is something that he really is processing in his mind. This yeah. is what he's really thinking, you know? So I was just like, that, that kind of just triggered something. Yeah. Like this really isn't okay. This is not yeah. how things are. Uh, so yeah. And then I've had, I had a couple of other corporate experiences after that. Um, the, the last company I worked for before I decided I wasn't working for a corporation anymore uh, was called, uh, I can't remember the name, but it's a, it's a software development uh, company down, you know, downtown Salt Lake. And mm-hmm. um, the, it, we, we merged with another company and the new CEO was like straight up psychopath. <laughs> legit like this guy either sociopath or psychopath right Mm -hmm. and he was so self-centered that he had a breakfast with jeff day on on every saturday wow where he could come have breakfast with jeff the ceo you know what an opportunity right (laughs) and uh so our it lead awesome awesome person Mm -hmm. i mean she like knew her shit you know yeah. she knew what she was doing she knew how to communicate with with her team she mm-hmm. knew how to get everything going like everything was running smoothly under her 
And this CEO, um, all of a sudden, this like super uneducated person from the call center mm-hmm. is suddenly his uh, his uh, secretary making mm-hmm. like three four times the amount of what she was making in the call center. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows what's going on, right? Yeah. And so she mentions it in in their uh, officer conference, right? Mm-hmm. Or while they're all together in a meeting, and he fires her over this because she she called him out on it he fires the it director yeah mm-hmm. and so it turned into a just a total shit storm dude because then a bunch of other people just left and i was like on the verge of leaving mm-hmm. and it was just so crazy to watch how how money was you know the, the financial incentive would just was just molding everybody's behaviors mm. and actions and and it and it turned out that um, they were having us <clears throat> keep customer records unencrypted, like not encrypting, you know, credit card numbers, wow, or anything, uh, names, addresses, right? Keeping it on a server, like which you're not supposed to do, mm-hmm. okay, unless you're like a, a gateway or something, yeah, like a financial gateway. And so. Uh, after so i got fired okay by the way uh i i told them i would stay they begged me to stay right okay, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stay i'll stay i was about to quit with everybody else mm-hmm. okay fine i'll stay and then like three weeks later they fired me <laughs> did they say why uh they they were this is where it gets a little kind of convoluted personally mm-hmm. but uh so i had been crunching all night trying to get this project out and i'm just so many problems there dude Mm -hmm. after like after with the merger it was just like craziness um and uh okay let me rewind really quick one quick thing you need to understand so i was giving a couple of uh projects to do beforehand and um every like two or three of them in a row our our uh project owner he's like okay i need you to do this so i spent a couple of weeks doing it and then it turns out that oh we don't need that anymore mm-hmm. right and then the next project was okay let's do this and it turns out oh sorry dude i gave you the wrong project to do you need to do this other project oh my god so it was completely like on them like they were just mm-hmm. screwing everything up but it looked like I was the one making Not all delivering. the screws. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> so that's why they fired me. Uh, and, well, the, the breaking point was I spent all night working on this thing. And uh, one of the new kids saw me nodding. Right. And so he thought I was high. And wow. Which kind of hit personally because at the time, like I had had a problem. Mm. Uh, but at, at the time I was on... Um, I was on methadone. I would go in mm-hmm. every morning and get my methadone. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of, it kind of pissed me off. Like, dude, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't even know you're just mm-hmm. assuming. And that spiraled out. Yeah. Wow. Um, oh, okay. So, so the, the, uh, the financial information that we were keeping, mm-hmm. you know, completely unprotected. <laughs> it turns out that, uh, the FBI raided them like three months after Whoa. I left. Yeah. Holy like, shit. They got, 
it's some deep shit. And this and this kind of stuff is is pretty common in companies. Like there's there's a lot of people who are drunk on power and quite incompetent about the about the things that they're trying to be stewards over and and also, you know, human error and human relationships and how complex that is and it's all just getting involved and I feel like that's happening in most if not all companies all the time. Mm-hmm. And then when they're all under light or and they're all underlining like a uh, a systemic process of exploitation and um and entropy like you're saying, like we're just we're just coalescing like all of these different problems, right? <laughs> um I and so I'm I'm really curious as to like do you feel like the I guess one big question that I had um, kind of with this marriage of like science and economics is sort of like, you know, I listen to a lot of Russell Brand and one of the things he he often talks about is how um, how economics and capitalism specifically uh, just really like choke holds science. But a lot of us mm-hmm. believe that science can only flourish and exist because of capitalism. Um, so I kind of wanted to hear your opinions on that and what you think a post-capitalist science would look like uh so there is a lot of bad science Mm. (laughs) like an incredible amount of bad science out there and this is actually one of my arguments as well Mm -hmm. um uh, first of all when you have money okay so there's a a couple of sides to this this this, you know problem Mm -hmm. um one is not enough money Mm. one is uh too much money and and using that to manipulate the science, Mm. right? So, um, good science. Okay. For instance, COVID, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, for years before COVID was even a problem, um, there, there was a, a COVID outbreak, like 15, 20 years ago. Some, I can't remember exactly, but some time ago, it was like the, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it set something off and everybody's like, okay, we've got to study this virus. So all of a sudden, because of the outbreak, there was funding mm-hmm. to do the study. Yeah. And then like a couple of years went by and the funding fizzled out. Mm-hmm. That very fact that the funding fizzled out, even though the scientists kept saying, we need funding to keep studying this because this mm-hmm. is going to be a problem in the future. Yeah. <clears throat> but happened it turned into a problem in the future and then they started funding it like crazy right yeah. and, and it's going to fizzle out again mm. you know because that's that's what's economic it's the same reason why uh you know why school and education is so poorly funded funded because there's no immediate return or at least mm-hmm. a return in the you know in a profitable s- sense yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah they're not going to see it and and so yeah, that's that's one of the problems is that science it needs to be done, research that needs to be done, ideas that are good ideas that would help a lot of people but are not economically like you know uh, uh, the, the, you know what I mean like uh, like feasible or economic just profitable like mm-hmm. they're just not profitable kind or, of thing yeah right mm-hmm. or you would spend more money developing it and and mm. producing it versus the amount of people it would help right. And uh, you know what I mean? It's just not something that you can get it into the market without running into a bunch of, uh, like paywalls mm. and, and problems with money. And then on the other side of things, uh, you've got things like, you know, uh, Monsanto and, mm. um, uh, e- even some universities. I just read a, a study that was, that came out uh, a couple of weeks ago 
on e-cigarettes. Mm-hmm. This team, some some school in like North Carolina or something like that, uh, was trying to determine how safe e-cigarettes are, mm-hmm. and they took uh, you know a series of different liquids and a series of different coils and e-cigarettes and 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 everything, and. But the problem is that they were cranking, cranking the wattage up to between 90 and 200 watts. Mm. And it's like, no, nobody vapes at that wattage. You know, mm. most people vape between like 40, 70 at the highest really? watts, right? So they're just burning this material, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and publishing this like big red flag. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, okay, why did that happen? I went down to their... Um, uh, disclosure statement where, where they're mm-hmm. supposed to report whether or not they have a uh, uh, conflict of interest. Oh, yeah. Nothing listed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it said that these researchers report that there is no conflict of interest. But you have to mon- wonder, like, that's bad science. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just terrible science. Yeah. Right? So they're not looking at the actual use case and trying to extrapolate some other conclusion. Yeah. And, and you have to wonder, you know, mm-hmm. why... Either they have this, you know, drive within themselves because they want to prove that e-cigarettes are bad mm-hmm. or they're getting paid to, to make that, yeah. to write that paper. And that, and I mean, um, do you ever watch Veritasium on YouTube? Mm-mm. I don't think I've heard of them. <clears throat> pretty, pretty interesting channel. It's, it's, you know, science, big science kind of channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a video he did probably four or five years ago where he talks about how much bad science there is. And it's crazy. There was this mm. uh, uh, um, study where they just looked at all of the, you know, um, research that's been done over the past, you know, however many years mm-hmm. and determined how many of them got, uh, got revoked later or how many of them were proven uh, incorrect mm. or, or, you know, the, the follow-up studies or, um, duplicate studies showed that it was, you know, they were missing something Mm. and it is, I can't remember the number right now, but it's like 30 something percent of all research that turns out to be just bad, Mm -hmm. like just crap. And a lot of that is because of these reasons, right? Mm. Like Like they were well-funded, but they weren't well-equipped to actually ask and answer these questions. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder, like, because, I mean, I guess that brings me back to that question I posed earlier. Like, what would science look like in a post-capitalist society? Because it seems like as of right now, we're only funding research that is profitable. So we have, like, awesome innovation in, you know, weapons and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, financial technology and things like that because it's extremely profitable but we aren't looking at the best ways to, you know, end homelessness. We're not looking at the best way to make housing affordable and accessible right. because these these topics aren't profitable. So I'm wondering what you think, uh, what do you think science would end up looking like in a post-capitalist society? Um, so I, I think it would be a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you First of all, you, you don't have these incentives, right, mm-hmm. that... that that dictate the course of what science does. Yeah. Second of all, uh, 
and, and I've, I've actually wrote a lot about this and, and probably have a couple of videos up somewhere about it. Mm -hmm. Um, it depends on how you get to your post capitalist society. That's a good point. My perspective, mm -hmm. but, um, I, I am convinced that the only way to get rid of money is to, uh, you need two kind of interlocking ideas, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be able to motivate or ignite each individual's intrinsic motivation, mm. um, which is uh, where a lot of the psychology in my research comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, DC and Ryan published the uh, self-determination theory of intrinsic motivation in 2010, mm -hmm. I want to say. And, and it, you know, this, and, and, okay. Yeah, you, you know, Maslow, right? Maslow's yeah. hierarchy. Mm -hmm. This is kind of an extension of that. Yeah. So once you have all of your needs, once you're good, once you're settled, uh, and, and you start to self-actualize, um, it, so it, right. We're, we're, we're talking about if we do this right, what does science look like? So people that are self-actualizing and it's not like you self-actualize and that's it. You're good. Yeah. Right. You have to you're continue to self-actualize. Mm. And, uh, one of the things about the self-determination theory of self or of, uh, of motivation, intrinsic motivation is that you have extrinsic motivation, which is like, boy, I'm going to beat you. Yeah. If you don't do positive your, and negative yeah, reinforcement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but then you have those things that you want to do, right? Mm. Like, I am going to get up at six. I'm going to take care of everything I need to take care of so I can get to A, B, and C because I want to help people because I, I love this place, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm driven from the inside to get out there and help my, my fellow humans. Yeah. That's what self-actualizing people look like. Mm. <clears throat> um, so what's interesting though is DC and Ryan's paper is they, they they've, and, and there's a lot of theories on motivation. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot. Yeah. But it's interesting that their theory encapsulates almost all of them. Mm. Like they've, they've, that's kind of why it was such a big deal. They really figured out like, you know, the components mm -hmm. of what motivates. And it turns out, uh, it comes down to three basic things, which is, um, it's, it's C-A-R. C-A-R. Uh, oh my God. Competence. Autonomy and relatedness. There we go. Okay, nice. <laughs> competence, autonomy, and relatedness. Okay. <clears throat> so competence, how well you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like you need to have a good understanding of what you're doing to f to feel competent, right? Yeah, that's, that's and feel motivated. Is. Yeah. Uh, autonomy is not being micromanaged, mm. having being able to control the process of what you're doing yourself, mm -hmm. or you know have some say over it. Mm -hmm. And then relatedness, how well you work with the people that you're with. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. It's funny because my, my HR director just actually brought this up to me a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, right on. Well, well, uh, but yeah, sorry, go on. Uh, no, you... Oh, and I was just curious because like he, um, I can't remember what book he said he was reading, but I think it's talking about this research because, um, uh, you know, he's been just like really pushing that a lot in our organization to make sure that we are opening up those things. And what's really funny is that he kind of, he, in a, in a meeting with, you know, all the management and everything was like talking about these three components and motivation. And he's like, and he's just like, yeah, so I think these, these things are going to be really good to, 
you know, help motivate people more. And he's like, but I'm not really sure why, you know, it's so hard or what's like getting in the way. And I wanted so badly to say, well, it's money. <laughs> it's the monetary incentive that's completely overriding all of these things yep. because we've made people's lives dependent on money in order to exist. And then we've made it so that that has to be the primary motivator, not mm -hmm. the, not any of those three things. If we do this right, right. If we toss money the correct way, if we, I mean, because money currently functions as a motivator, mm -hmm. like it's what keeps things moving. Yeah. Right? Um, if you don't go to work, you don't get a paycheck. If you don't get a paycheck, you don't get food. Like yeah. That's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started my kind of search with what is motivation? What, how can you, can you motivate without money? Like, mm -hmm. is that possible? Yeah. <clears throat> And that's what led me into, you know, doing all the, all the research into the different types of motivation and, and all that stuff. Um, so if you create a system that allows people to reach, you know, fulfill their needs, mm -hmm. right. Have the, all their needs fulfilled in, in a healthy way mm -hmm. and then give them the tools to, um, like structure their, their desires and their aspirations in a way that they can begin to, you know, actually climb the ladder, mm -hmm. um, as far as education, working with other people that mm -hmm. they that they click with, um, working on things that they enjoy doing, mm. then you just lit the fire, right? Mm -hmm. You just, there, there it goes, dude. They, they are motivated. Mm -hmm. If you woke up every morning and got to do exactly what you wanted to do, mm -hmm. that made you feel like you were part of the human race, mm. right? I mean, you can't get more motivation than that. No, not at all. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So if, if we used that to get to, uh, post-capitalism, it's, science would be a totally different story. Yeah. Right. I mean, the scientists would wake up wanting to get into that, wanting to do good research because mm. now it's not a matter of how much funding can you get. Now it's a matter of like, okay. what can I, what crazy new, you know, avenues can I, can I navigate and get to this end goal that, that are helpful, that are clean, that, that, you know, uh, don't cause any problems mm -hmm. that get things going that people will love mm -hmm. and, and, and apply that to the world. Mm -hmm. right? So, uh, given mistakes happen, mm -hmm. right? Guaranteed there will be not bad science, but, but science, that doesn't turn out right. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, bad papers that mm -hmm. weren't totally thought out but it's not very misunderstood or something whatever mm -hmm. but that's uh it's funny because i like how you you mentioned like um i think it's really important that you outlined this though because i think a lot of um people who are kind of opposed to any sort of systemic change or even talking about it um especially in terms of money because they do see money as like not only the ultimate motivator but the only motivator mm -hmm. i like how you're saying that um, we need to change the way we're motivating people in order to move into a post-capitalist society because it was kind of like when you were saying um, you, you want to make sure that all of their needs are met and then they can start, you know, 
getting education, like uh, nurturing competence. They can start uh, having more uh, accessible social relationships, nurturing relatedness. Mm -hmm. And you're saying also do the things that they want to do, which is nurturing like autonomy. And it's, it's really cool to see that outlined because I could genuinely see how that would easily foster like cleaner, better science, um, as well as just making a more motivated populace in general. Mm. So I really like that a lot. And more connected. Mm. Which is a very important piece. And, and it's interesting that I recently went through an experience that really outlined this for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our puppies, mm-hmm. they were born December 27th of 2021. Mm-hmm. So they're 10, 11 months old now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the, the, my research was what I was doing up until that point. Mm-hmm. And, and I was gung-ho about it, but there was something missing. And mm-hmm. so I, I almost feel like <laughs> it was almost kind of meant to be that, mm-hmm. I, that I went through this experience because it, it reignited something in me that, that I had lost. Um, so the situation was, uh, my wife and my daughter wanted to get our dog pregnant Mm -hmm. and I was like, no, like Mm -hmm. you don't understand how much energy, you know, what goes into, Mm -hmm. you know, raising a litter. Yeah. There's a lot. And then you have to, you know, post, you have to sell them. Yeah. Then you've got to sell them. And, and kind of one of the first things that really irked me about the idea was that it was for money. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so I told both of them, okay, we'll do this, but I am not touching it. It's up to both of you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know where my position is. I don't want anything to do with this. Like mm-hmm. if you want to do this, it's up to you two, you two are taking care of it. I don't want to touch it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, yeah, great. Yay. Yeah. We'll do it. We can do it. <laughs> It didn't take more than a week for the entire thing to get just sat on my shoulders. Mm. (laughs) And it was like that entire, almost a year, right? Mm. From that point till now, now that we've decided to keep uh, three of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was forced into doing something that like morally, ethically, I was totally against. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that was like, a lot of work like it's not mm-hmm. just like like you're getting woken up three four times a night while mm-hmm. the puppies right so it just it wasn't just like something i didn't want to do it was like a, almost like i was just forced into the situation mm-hmm. and uh, man it, it took me down a pretty dark path for a minute you know mm-hmm. I, I was like mean to everybody mm-hmm. i was just in this such a angry like <laughs> bad dark place right yeah. and uh it it i don't know how to explain this man it helped etch this out for me like mm-hmm. it really helped me like understand how important it is to want to do what you like to what you're doing yeah to mm-hmm. want to do what what you're doing to give back to the community yeah like it was a, it was, it, I mean, it, it, it took, you know, about a month ago, I kind of went through this, like, you know, we, we had already sold four of them and 
I, like I stopped running, I stopped meditating. Like mm. I was in a, like a crazy place and it kind of took this moment of me sitting there thinking, dude, a- a- am I going to let this take me down? Like, am I going to let this happen? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, but I mean, it, it was such a potent, like, uh, just, it was such a potent experience and it illuminated the problem so, so well for me that it's like, yep, mm-hmm. you know, we've got to change shit. Like, like, you know, and I love them now. I love the, mm-hmm. I mean, I loved them from the start, right? Yeah. The yeah. Little tiny cute bundles of yeah. cuteness. <laughs> Energy. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's crazy how fast you can just shut somebody down by just putting them in the wrong situation. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's a really um, powerful experience because it's making me think about, um, you know, I I'm I work in management at my job, um, so I manage I think like I manage almost like twenty people now, and it's funny because all of the other leaders in the organization they all understand the need to get people to want to do what they want them to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're very much like, and it's really funny because I was always being this voice of like, yeah, we need, they need more money. And they're like, it's not about money, Nathan. They want, they wanted me to realize that mo- like just paying them more isn't going to do enough. It's not going to make them want to do the thing. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but the problem is, is that they need money to exist. And mm-hmm. so when, when they're not being paid enough to exist, there's no way that they're going to be able to, to want to do what you want them to do. Um, so they started paying people more. Um, finally, like it it took, it literally took people at Taco Bell and McDonald's making more money, um, and enough people complaining about it for them to go like, okay, I guess we'll pay you guys more. So McDonald's and Taco Bell were paying $15 an hour. My work decided to do $15 and 10 cents. Yeah. They figured that would be enough to make them care. Right. But it's so interesting to hear you say this because like, just because they're getting more money now, it doesn't mean that they want to make the name tags. It doesn't mean that they want to make the shirts anymore. It's just making it so that it's easier for them to live. Right. And um, and I love the idea that like moving into a post-capitalist society would be more so about supplying people's needs so that it's easier for them to be motivated to do what they actually want to do, Yeah. which oh. is super valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So beyond super valuable, it's like <laughs> yeah, it has to happen. I agree. Or, or it's, we're gonna get in a really weird place. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the hardest part is getting everybody's needs met, right? Because as of right now, the the only tool we have for meeting people's needs is capitalism. Right. Um, and so earlier in the podcast, you were saying that you felt like was it um, AI or was it automation that was going to be a big the AI. biggest tool? AI. Uh, but, but, which encompasses automation. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's dive into that a little bit more. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. So, so um, the AI stem drive is really two two systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the actual stem drive, uh, which itself is divided into two parts. But mm-hmm. the other is just the social construction, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just get rid of money like yeah. that would be a catastrophe yeah it'd be insane yeah 
Yeah, and which is one of the arguments that you know capitalists use. Like, dude, can you imagine getting rid of money? If money was suddenly gone tomorrow, how crazy it would be. Yeah, that's that's not the plan. <laughs> yeah, that's not the plan. That's not how this works. Like, you have to, it, it's more than that. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, the stem drive itself has two parts, or I guess I guess two main parts. One is a um, basically an app really mm-hmm. that runs on your phone, but, uh, and it connects to a home node, right. And it's, it's AI mm-hmm. right? and it's designed for each individual. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I would have one, you would have one, you can name it, whatever you want, right. Mm-hmm. It responds to you just like Siri or mm-hmm. Google or whatever, but its job is to ensure that, that, right. You, you're the structure of what you what you want to achieve in life, right? Where you want to go in life is, is met effectively with Mm. the right amount of, uh, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, like consideration or nuance or I always want to say sablog because that's the word in Ilongo. Uh huh. I just, I I spoke many years ago and I can never remember, uh, the English word for it, Uh but it, like a barrier, like, oh, like okay. resistance. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 You, you, you need a little resistance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's designed specifically to just cater to each individual, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll remind you to get up in the morning, remind you that you have a meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Help you, help you plan your goals, help mm-hmm. you, um, like just like, uh, like, you know, organize and, and lay out, how you're going to reach your goals, mm-hmm. uh, almost kind of like a therapist yeah. in a bottle. Right. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so, so that's that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have the, the large kind of network mm-hmm. that connects it all because you, how are you going to, you know, if you can't connect everybody's wants and desires, then there's really, you know, you, how are you going to do that other yeah. than just networking them? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you have the individual nodes and it's totally private. Mm-hmm. Like I've even been, I mean, I haven't worked on it for a while, but mm-hmm. there's kind of like a information layer that you, that I've been playing with or, or uh, I guess a method of stripping information as you go upstream mm-hmm. to where you don't really need like any sort of personal information out there. Mm. Okay. So where, where things can get coordinated and, and ideas get connected and people get connected without having any sort of, you know, privacy concerns. Mm -hmm. So you have the phone, right. Or the app or, uh, in my paper, I was talking about like having little rings Mm -hmm. or neck earrings, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, of your little buddy. (laughs) <laughs> that is just your homie, you know, helps you get to like the other voice in your head, right? Mm-hmm. Helps you get there. And then you have the larger network that helps coordinate these things like, like big things, right? Uh, uh, delivery routes, right? Mm. Uh, modular delivery networks. So instead of having Walmart and target and Costco all having doing their, and, and, uh, what are the, uh, Uber, mm-hmm. Uber eats. Yeah. Yeah. Rare, all those like things. DoorDash stuff. Yeah. 
DoorDash, doing all their crazy things. Like, why are we wasting so much energy with doing all these little individual things when you could just coordinate? Like, mm. have, you know, uh, kind of like a central, um, I guess, delivery system and, and, each place that has something to deliver just packs it in there. You know, it, it, it has maybe little containers, mm -hmm. you know, each truck would have different sizes, whatever, just make it so you don't just are, you're, you're just not just like burning gas, mm. just doing a bunch of random crazy stuff. Uh, so yeah, coordinating all of that. I mean, that alone would probably cut CO2 emissions down, uh, a lot. It's it, it the problem itself, like, for instance, okay, here, here's here's the problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's it'll get a little mathy, but yeah, yeah, that's okay. So you've got a bunch of trucks stationed all over the place. Now you don't have individual corporations anymore. You just have like uh, individual producers or mm -hmm. or whatever distribution and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you have all these trucks that run through the city and. They, they, it's a modular delivery network. So you can have two trucks meet up and if truck A is going to location A, but truck B has a couple packages that go to location A, they can exchange really quick. It would be oh. automated, right? Uh -huh. So uh, B is going to B, A is going to A. They exchange the packages that go in the different areas and, and take off. And mm -hmm. then, you know, it would, it would, break into smaller smaller areas like mm -hmm. that like two other trucks would meet up so the idea is to just minimize any sort of energy consumption mm. like but it turns out that this is similar to what's called the traveling salesman problem uh-huh <laughs> uh but far more complicated and I, I think the only way to solve it is to use quantum computing interesting so it would have to be a delivery network that that used a quantum computer to do real time analyses of, of the of the network to be able to to update and and, yeah. and change everything. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What is the traveling salesman problem? So the traveling salesman problem is it's an interesting problem because it's really it feels basic at first, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have like. Uh, I don't know. What's it? What's it? The basic example, like uh, ten cities, mm -hmm. okay. And the salesman is uh, to your your job is to basically figure out how many possible ways there are to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And there are ten cities on the way, and there's you know roads connecting all of them. Mm -hmm. So sounds kind of simple, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I just go to city, you know this city first and then try all of that routes and then go to this city and then try all, all of those routes. But the problem is that you can go to this city, try all of those routes, but every route you've got another node and you've got to try all of those routes and you've got another node and you've got to try all of those I routes. I see. It becomes more <clears throat> complex. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like the epitome of, uh, like, uh, you know, um, exponential time, right? It's, mm. it's the, the more cities you add, your your the time it would take to solve the problem increases exponentially mm. um so yeah okay and that's what the quantum computing would need to be able to 
to solve mm-hmm. and handle. Interesting. Yeah. And and I, I had been talking to uh, one of the one of the engineers at at uh, D D Wave. Oh, okay. D Wave. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So I started talking to one to the, I started talking to one of the engineers about the problem, and I, I think I kind of lost him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I don't know. Like maybe you can solve it with quantum computing, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's possible. Like mm-hmm. I, I think it's a, I think it's a problem that can be solved with a quantum computer. Interesting. But, and, so yeah, deliveries, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have all the hardware, we have the infrastructure, mm-hmm. we just don't have the right software, right? Really? Okay. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll think of all the a- Amazon and mm-hmm. FedEx and all the delivery at DHL. Yeah, DHL. So we've got the hardware, right? It's just coordinating it. And because mm-hmm. FedEx and DHL and Amazon are competing interests, your problem is that they're competing, right? Mm. You need them to coordinate. Yes. <clears throat> if you get coordination going on, then you can, I mean, imagine how much energy would be saved just by doing that. Right? Yeah. It'd be like crazy. Yeah. Um, amping up ride sharing, right? Mm-hmm. Having more public transportation mm-hmm. or better planned public transportation. Uh, so yeah, that's, 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 part of what the upper network does um then you have uh you know military school education right um social media mm-hmm. right you, you have all of these what, what i call streams okay mm-hmm. um that just kind of lay on top of each other and they mm-hmm. all have different functions and but like say uh these guys over here are building this, these guys over here are building this. And because you have artificial intelligence monitoring the global network, mm-hmm. right? And it's not going to take over. It's not going to turn into Terminator. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it's, that's like so far away from us right now mm-hmm. that it is capable of saying, Oh, this is working with this and this and this and this topic. These guys are working with these topics. It looks like they're working on something that, could be a beneficial collaboration mm-hmm. i'll signal them mm. and and then you know stuff like that like uh if if um i don't know research right these guys are working on this project there's already been a grip research on this and this and the AI understands that several variables are the same. So mm-hmm. it notifies them that, Hey, you might want to take a look at these papers mm-hmm. because it could help you, or you might want to get in touch with these guys. Mm-hmm. So it would really help in that sort of situation. Uh, another area would, where it would help with is in people's professions. Um, so say, uh, Joe goes to work, he loves his job, he's doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, He's not, you know, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is something that you could easily recognize with artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. you know, like, especially your personal monitoring, mm-hmm. your heart rate, monitoring, you know, uh, blood oxygen level, mm-hmm. um, 
how much you're moving, where you're going, how much you're pacing, that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so the AI flags it. Okay, what's what's up with Joe? Let's figure this out. So it can go back and, first of all, notify Joe. Like, dude, something seems wrong. Yeah, something's going on with you. Let's mm -hmm. let's figure this out. So Joe's now into it. Like, okay, yeah, I have been feeling a little weird lately. Um, turns out it's a, a an allergy that he had to a new fruit that he's been eating, right? Mm -hmm. so, and, and it's been like messing him up a little bit. So it, to be able to quickly come up with some, like that kind of analysis is something that AI is like, that's like what AI is built for, right? Mm -hmm. That's the kind of problem it can solve really quickly or at least give you options, like mm -hmm. the new things that you've done, you know, the different yeah. things that you've done. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, think of it like this. Um, humans, the individual human or, or any animal, mm -hmm. we've got our bodies, we've got all of our organs and tissues and cells, and they're all doing their own thing, right? And your brain is kind of the coordinator, right? It, it, regulates hormones like things do different things because different hormones are going mm -hmm. uh so your brain really runs the body not totally but mm -hmm. like it's kind of like the the big head right mm -hmm. but as as humans as a as humanity we we are a single organism like mm -hmm. you can't not be around other humans you yeah. need other humans yeah right that should be kind of a clue that we are a super organism. Mm -hmm. We can go into the technical aspects of that. We're not technically a super organism, but whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think that's what government has been trying to do. Mm -hmm. I think government has been trying to be the brain of the super organism. Yes. You know, I think that's like, like we naturally see this kind of void of, of need, like this, this thing that we need to organize everything. And so we didn't have any tools, mm -hmm. right? So we just government, you know, mm -hmm. that's how it happens. Leaders, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, but I think, uh, I think, you know, you, you, you can't organize people like that, mm -hmm. right? You can't have leaders that are like, have, have agendas and, and have biases, right? Mm -hmm. AI is the perfect substitute. Like it's mm. perfect for that. It doesn't have biases. It doesn't have agendas. It doesn't have like its own like plans and desires and wants, right? It is just numbers on a computer. Mm. Now there may be a point where that is no longer true. Maybe it becomes sentient. Yeah. Yeah. But I, we're, we're, we're far from that point right now. Yeah. And I think it's worth, uh, mentioning right now. Um, Oh, I wish I could remember the book. Shoot. But essentially, it, it talked about how um, the growth of AI is more likely to be like a boring, like uh, mundane version of now, just a lot more efficient because it's because the AI that we are developing is under the like intentions that we are operating under right now. So AI is less about mm -hmm. becoming sentient and inherently evil and more about how we program it to behave and then becoming extremely efficient in that um, intentionality, at least from what I'm understanding, right? 100%. Awesome. So it, and it, what I love that you also pointed out is the idea that like, 
um, capitalism and our supply chain and distribution models as they are right now are fully functioning under competition. It's not about collaborating to provide the need. It's about cornering the market to extract the most value from that need. And so we're really like working against ourselves. And as we continue to develop AI under this template, then of course that AI is going to be really efficient in those um, intentionalities. Um, and so I, I love that you point that out because it sounds like what our main focus should be with AI is developing it to be collaborative and developing it to be sustainable. And, um, and, and I love what you're talking about with um, kind of like on a personal and individual level with this AI, because I, when you first started describing it, I could, I kind of saw myself and I could see others being like, that's terrifying. Like it's an <laughs> invasion of privacy and, uh, and you know, it's just very controlling almost and everything like that. But I think where I kind of see you coming from is if it's developed with the intention of, no, we want to make sure that this individual is healthy mm. and, um, and competent and autonomous, then it's going to be a really efficient in detecting when those things are lacking and helping providing options and solutions, which yeah. is freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and it's not like it's, it's nobody's forced into it, mm. right? Like it's, it's your AI, mm -hmm. right? You have total control over it. Mm -hmm. You have total control over, you know, what things are shared, what things are not, what things it does, what things, it do, what things it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So it's totally up to the individual, like from privacy to what it helps you with. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. The, the, there's no like any kind of a hint of forcing like, cause that's not how we work. Yeah. Right? And it's not going to be, a, it's not going to actually be helpful for us under that. It, it, it's just a tool. Mm. You know, here's a tool. It will help you get to, the best place that you want to be like mm -hmm. it will help you become the person that you envision in your mind do with it what you will mm. you know? yeah and you were saying that automation is sort of like it sounds like automation is under the umbrella of artificial intelligence or is it more like they're just related they're they're related i see <laughs> and how and i I think, you know, with Moneyless Society, we talk a lot about automation, and I think that's mostly in sort of the production and distribution capabilities. Mm. And then it sounds like the AI would be the, um, like the intentionality and like the problem solving of those solutions. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, it, it has a role to play mm -hmm. you know, and that's, it's just a tool that you use to fill in the gaps. Right? Yeah. Really, that's really what it is. Awesome. It's, it's unfortunate that I think as of right now, automation has this rap for being, well, because of the way it's being used, right? It has this rap for being a scary and dangerous thing because mm. it's taking jobs, right? Yeah. Instead of um, liberating us from menial work. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, as we've seen like automation being currently used, it's more about helping a company, um, cut their, you know, cut their costs mm. rather than, oh, this is how we can liberate workers and, um, help people be a little bit less stressed with all the menial tasks that they're required to do and, and make them more free, which is unfortunate. I'm curious to kind of hear your thoughts on how we could change that view. How could we help people see the value of both AI and automation? Um, yeah. Uh, so back when, when 
this was first starting industrial revolution, right? Mm -hmm. People are building machines to replace people. Uh, there were some economists that, that saw this as like this, um, the idea was to build the utopian ideal, right? Mm -hmm. The idea was we will get to this point where we are so advanced that everything is automated that all you have to do is just sit back. Mm -hmm. Like you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it's funny that that is so the opposite of what has happened. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not funny. It's terrible, but, but also, um, yeah. yeah, you have to laugh, right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so automation, I think is I think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the whole idea, the problem we just mentioned, where uh, they thought it would be like it would do everybody's job for them, and they would keep their job and keep mm -hmm. getting paid. Mm -hmm. So it's just like you know, we're just like offloading the labor mm -hmm. instead of just completely getting replaced, right? Yeah. Um. So, but. The, the problem here is that if you continue to progress in the manner that we're progressing, there will be a point where everything will be done mm -hmm. for us, right? Where we won't have to do anything, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Except for what you want to do. Yeah. But coming from an economic, you know, money-driven society. Scarcity-based. Yeah. How, how does that look? Mm -hmm. How does that turn out? Like... So we're going to end up in this situation where nobody has to do anything, but money still exists. And it's required. And it's required. And you need money to survive. Mm -hmm. how, how does this work? Like you yeah. have to start like. Essentially you just pay people to exist. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's exactly. really the only solution that I, I can even think of unless you just kill all those people, which <laughs> good God. <laughs> Which, you know, I guess isn't, isn't not an option for some of these people. Yeah, but, for real. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, just, it's just a freaking mess. Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that I often bring up to people because, um, you know, I think that if automation does become sophisticated enough and we, I mean, ideally we would want automation to exist to provide people's needs, which is like the entire point of economics anyways. Right. It, and it's, it's interesting to me that people can't even fathom a world without money, um, because they, because they can't even imagine a world where we don't provide our own needs, but we are seeing the, just the rapid increase in sophistication with automation ai technology that it's becoming a possibility it's becoming a, a potential reality and then like we just have to figure out some fundamental problems mm -hmm. before we can before i think we can really launch that um, which is why i really see the need for you know uh, businesses to be owned by the workers not the not the one executive figurehead who only wants to extract profit um, because i think when when the workers are the ones implementing automation, it's going to be for their benefit and it's going to be to ensure that they are taken care of and that they are still um, able to participate in society. And then they are able to be more creative, which is, mm -hmm. which, uh, which I think is what is going to be most valuable about automation um, and AI technology. I kind of wanted to, um, to shift from here because I think with these, with these kind of concepts and, um, the idea of 
you know, automating labor and uh, using AI to achieve our goals. I kind of think that it it brings forth like a large spiritual question. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've really valued about you is that you're very science based, and you you know you love um, you know STEM and how that can improve our lives. But then you've also had you know you've talked about meditation and kind of like your your experiments with out of body experiences and like this kind of spiritual domain. Um, one thing that I'm really curious to talk to you about is um, I've kind of felt that science maybe requires or forces like a type of like um, a nihilism or, mo- or almost like a spiritual death mm-hmm. in the sense that like the science that I have understood is very like the fully automated universe where we are all separate beings that are separate pieces and, you know, even trying to discuss like consciousness and things like that, it, it kind of falls short for me. So I'm kind of curious to hear your opinions on whether you think science requires like nihilism or like creates a type of nihilism. Uh, I I can see where you're coming from. Mm. Like I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I don't, I'm not sure that it's necessary. Mm. And why is that? So science is great for Mm -hmm. a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Look this <laughs> yeah but there's a lot of things that it can't do mm. and and i don't know if this is uh something that where where the scientific method itself needs to be refined mm-hmm. for instance um one of the key like fulcrum necessary units of, of the scientific process is having something that can be repeatably Mm-hmm. verified and observed and observed correct which that's why we have experiments right mm-hmm. a plus b equals c that's that's how it goes but there are so many aspects to the human experience that are not repeatable mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> you just can't and and you know i i had my first dmt trip uh two years ago now oh blew my mind yeah i i I was not not a staunch atheist Mm -hmm. but i was atheist Mm -hmm. i came out of that (laughs) with tears in my eyes yeah right yeah uh tell my wife like oh my oh my god god is real like really real like there Mm -hmm. is a god yeah and it and if, if you have not experienced that you know, my, up until that point, I'm like, dude, a hallucination. Like, it's mm-hmm. just mind play, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Yeah, that's not how it works. But the like, noetic <laughs> quality of it, you know what you saw. You yeah. know what you experienced. Yeah, like, th- there's no way my brain could have done that. Mm. Like, downloaded that, in, you know, the, the experience of... Th- there's no way. Oh. There's no possible way mm-hmm. our brains are capable of that. Yeah. And unless you've had that experience, you don't understand, mm-hmm. right? Like, because right up until that point, I'm like, yep, I'm going to have some trippy shit happen. Mm-hmm. And, but it was all, it's all in the mind. Yeah. And then after that, I'm like, yeah, nope. Hey, <laughs> There's something about that, that, that makes you understand with certainty that that is not something the mind is possible of doing mm. you know what i mean on its own right yeah, yeah. there's no possible yeah <clears throat> and it's funny because that's that's one of those phenomenon that is uh like unobservable like mm. nobody else could observe that in you and uh and it's hard to repeat that 
exact mm-hmm. experience. You can take the, the substance again, but you will still have a unique experience. Right. Um, I, I actually really love that you said that because I, um, you know, I, I grew up, I was uh, born and raised LDS. Um, I left the church when I was about 16 or 17. Um, you know, I'd kind of been out of it since I was like 13 or 14, but it was around that time that I like was just like, hey, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, from then on, I was like, I was staunch atheist. I was just like, nope, the entire universe is just separate matter. Uh, nothing is, nothing means anything. And it was, it was a quick spiral down to nihilism. Um, and it wasn't until I actually had experienced ego death under psilocybin that everything changed. And it was, it was a very similar thing to that where it was just like this, like this, I, this new idea of God was like revealed to me. And it was like, so obviously present in all facets of existence and um right yeah that's what was the weirdest like experience of it right ain't no bearded dude in the sky no no definitely (laughs) (laughs) it was just it and it was those those kinds of experiences and what was wonderful is it it made it so that i was capable of actually like communicating with um, religious people because Mm -hmm. i was able to finally understand what it was that they were maybe like tapping into with their spirituality. Um, and I was able to connect with them on that basis. Um, and so I, I guess what I want to just further clarify and further understand is how or why you think science doesn't have to have that nihilism to it or why, why, how science can actually incorporate the spiritual experiences that you, that you've had. I don't think we're there yet. Mm. I, I think it's a technology that needs to be discovered. Ooh, yeah. Um, but uh, when I had COVID mm-hmm. five, six months ago, I had this fever dream. Mm-hmm. And man, I don't know how to explain it other than it's kind of been at the forefront of my mind for a little while because mm-hmm. I've been super weird about consciousness for a long time. Like, yeah. What? What? Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. What is this? And so a total fever dream, you know, um, and I was presented with two images and two geometric shapes. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like an advanced, I guess, uh, version of squaring the circle. You, you haven't heard of that? No, I haven't. We, we don't need to get into it. It's, but it's like kind of back in Plato and Aristotle, mm-hmm. Aristotle's day. I can't remember who came up with it, but, um, anyway, there were two different images that one, you absolutely consciousness is absolutely required in order to, interpret the image Mm. the other one can be interpreted mathematically interesting and and it was so i mean i mean i can still kind of see him in my mind Mm -hmm. but when i woke up like i I try to get it down as fast as i could and you know you know how that's yeah yeah you you just lose (laughs) it but um yeah that that kind of because at that moment even though i was you know a fever of 103 and sick as all get out like I, I, I got it just for a second. Mm. Why, why you need consciousness for certain things mm. and why 
mathematics is what you need for other things. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's something that we will eventually uncover, mm. you know, and, and, and they'll connect because everything connects. Right. Yeah. But, and, but I think until that time, we just need to do our best. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. I think it's, uh, especially like that you said, um, that we're just not there yet because I think there's a lot of people who are like, I guess I'm on, I'm on both sides of the fence here because, uh, when it comes to science, I, I kind of love the fact that science as an institution, as a practice, as a methodology really struggles to solve the, solve the hard problem of consciousness, um, because of the very inherent and fundamental, like, um, just first person nature of it and the, the inability to, um, observe it as a third party as it is. Um, and then sort of like quantify it and everything. Mm. But at the same time, I also like, we've been absolutely surprised by the, the, the absolute, um, sophistication and the abilities of science that man, as we start actually just being aware of what consciousness is, what our experience of consciousness is, and I think you're, I think you're right. Like there is going to be a time that we will find a way to understand it through the lens of science, or at least, at least in a way that helps us, um, utilize it more so in our lives, um, to kind of have just more like a spiritual dimension to science. Cause I've always, cause I've, I mean, that's the reason I asked that question is that I've kind of felt that science has to kill the spiritual, like it has to remove it, but it sounds like it's more so incapable or unwilling to like study that mm. dimension of life yeah uh yeah mm. yeah i i would agree with that i think there's definitely something to that mm -hmm. so what role does spirituality play in your life then <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna deep dive there here man <laughs> okay well um i am an avid meditator mm -hmm. uh and I recently I have started praying, yeah. but not what you would think is praying. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's like, I don't know what's going on if you're there, mm -hmm. which I think you are, but not in the way that most people think, mm -hmm. look, I've got these things I want to get done. So if you can help me with it, <laughs> please do <laughs> go nuts. Yeah. yeah. I would love that. Uh, you know, I have this problem or that problem, you know, help me figure it out if you can, like, mm -hmm. if, if you're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's kind of the essence of it, but, um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not like praying to any specific God. I'm not praying to you know, Jehovah or Yahweh or, Allah or anything. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Just, I'm pretty sure there's something else out there that has some sort of control over what's going on because mm -hmm. this is wackadoos. So if you can, if you can help me just a little bit, you know, I'll do most of the work. But mm -hmm. if there's anything that you can do to, you know, help uh, organize things so that it goes a little smoother, <laughs> yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's about it. But yeah, spirituality is. I, I like to say. Like, I, I like to think of spirituality for me, not as like, you know, that there's this 
there's this I, I don't even think you necessarily have to have like a spiritual dimension mm-hmm. or a spirit or eternal life for there to be spirituality yeah yeah like is it is it possible that we can all be connected mm. without having like a spiritual dimension i think it is yeah I don't know if there is or isn't, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I think we can all be connected in a really deep and fundamental way without there needing to be some sort of like, like immaterial weirdness. Yeah. Like metaphysics or anything. Not that I, you know, like, yeah, it's funny. Cause I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's funny. Cause like when, uh, like I feel like my working definition of spirituality so far is connectedness. Yes. So I, I totally agree. With yeah. That. So it's kind of funny that, that just that you say that, cause I think you're, you're right on the money. It is more so about the interconnectedness of all things than it is about following this dogma or that dogma and kind of, um, and just like incorporating these ideals and these beliefs into our lives and our reality. It's more about the fundamental truth that everything is always connected. Totally. That's cool. Well, we are kind of reaching the end of the podcast, so I'd like to um, I'd like to serve up the finale here by asking kind of a question that I like to ask uh, all my guests, which is, um, you know, the point of this show is to develop uh, an, a shared vision for humanity because I want I think that the only way that everybody can be on the same page to change the world is if we all understand our the shared vision. Mm. So I'm curious what uh, what you think the shared vision for humanity should be. So, so this this has kind of been a difficult thing for my ego. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I have noticed that you know I feel like like I feel like I figured something out that will work, mm-hmm. or that will at least benefit you know be beneficial and and it, you know you hear stories all the time of people getting a company going you know and then Mm -hmm. they have to you know get board members and 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 Mm uh what was the term uh you put it on the market oh oh it becomes public act or public or whatever going public yeah yeah. whatever it it is yeah whatever business business stuff (laughs) but yes where you basically hand over control to a board Mm. right Mm -hmm. and i've I know it's just my ego getting in the way, you know, but I, I see that as like kind of this, like, like I, I've been doing this for six years, mm-hmm. you know, and I've got like only a couple hundred followers on my YouTube channel mm-hmm. and moneyless society is like thousands. And I'm like, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like it's not that I feel some type of way. It's that like, I just, I don't know, man. It's to, to me, working with other people is definitely important, mm-hmm. but I also feel like I need to have some sort of autonomy over yeah. my, my, what I'm contributing. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that's been kind of like something specifically that I struggle with because I, sometimes I've, I don't know, man, it's just, I I want to be able to have an answer for a certain part of this whole mess, you know, mm-hmm. like how to help fix certain things. 
and I want to be able to work with other people, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, like I, I don't want to give up control over the process of the project or I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's a total ego thing for me right now. And I'm still trying to figure that one out. Interesting. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think collaboration and cooperation is vital. Yeah. For sure. I think you're not alone for one thing. Like I, uh, I've noticed that like, um, pretty much anyone who is a part of, who's a part of like a, or maybe even owner of like a successful business or organization or even idea, they have to grapple with the fact at some point that organization, that idea will become bigger than they are Mm -hmm. and they will lose like total control of it. And I feel like a lot of the problems in our society come from, um, you know, people who want to maintain control over those things. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's like, I don't think you're alone there. I think it's good that you're aware of that for one thing. I think that's super healthy. And to me, the way to, I guess like overcome that or come to peace with it is, is like having a vision for where everything needs to go and what, what everybody should be doing and making sure that that is like the foundation of whatever idea of whatever organization, which is, which is why I asked that question. Uh, Totally. Huh? Yeah. I like that. Cool. Well, awesome, man. I I really appreciate you uh, being on the podcast with me. It's, uh, it's been fun. It's been, it's good to get to know you in the, in the flesh, as I keep saying. (laughs) You too, man. This was good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I, I love moneyless society. I think one of the things I, I struggle with it is that I'm a very, I like to be personable. I like to be in person. Mm -hmm. Um, and all of it is very digital and remote right now. So it's, it's really valuable to me to, to make this connection here and, uh, and be here with you. So appreciate your time, man. One more thing. Yes. One more thing. Sorry. Yeah, please. No, no, please, please. Uh, so I, I, I was talking to Amanda mm-hmm. about this, uh, and I told her I was going to talk to you about it because I want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this is something I've been wanting to do for so long, mm-hmm. so long. And I know I've got like a billion things on my plate right now, but, uh, I think this is one of those things that could be incorporated into everybody's lives without taking up too much time mm-hmm. uh convention mm. like uh i keep accidentally burping <laughs> like a moneyless technology convention right mm, Once yeah a year. and it would be cool you know how burning man goes down right mm-hmm. like, there's no money there like yeah. everybody works together gift economy so, yeah exactly yeah. Something like that, but with talks and with mm. like technologies, right? Mm-hmm. Like people want to bring uh, aeroponic setups that are like yeah. new and cutting edge and stuff. And I think it would be cool to have like a little test bed city that was totally self sufficient for like a month. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the conference. Talks are talks are happening. Electricity is produced with solar panels. Yeah, right? like just a little tiny city. Uh, I talked to my brother and he's got a 20 acre, 10, a two, 10 and 20 acre lots. And he's got three lots that wow. he, he's willing to let us use. Are you, well, shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, two, two of the lots, one of the lots, uh, a Las Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, an old Las Vegas, uh, mafia member sold to him out in the Nevada desert. Love it. All right. wonder what's out there. Love it. <laughs> 
Uh, the other two lots, the 10 and 20 acre lots are in Duchesne. Okay. Yeah. So, right. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Let's do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah, you can uh, use this podcast to hold me accountable because I would love, love to, to get that kind of real tangible actionable change in the world started um right. i think that, that was something i kind of struggled with the podcast in the beginning anyways was like oh i love to talk about these things but making this actionable change is uh, is gonna be very important and valuable to me so i say we make it happen totally know what you mean <laughs> yeah uh so i i got kind of like a mock website up mm-hmm. it's year one dot earth okay um just kind of represent like the turning point, right? Yeah. Like the new, yeah, yeah. The new whatever. But yeah. Year one dot earth. Yeah. And people can go there for updates on this project. Yeah. Sweet. It's, it's, it's super minimal right now, mm-hmm. but, but let's get things started. I love it. Rock and roll. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for having Thomas. me, man. This is cool. Of course.